Good morning. It is a privilege to uh, be able to share what God puts on my heart. Uh, it is wonderful that we are a family, and uh, people say, do you get nervous? Yeah, sometimes, but w- when you were family, you've forgiven a lot. So <laughs> here we are, talking about generosity today. And uh, interesting enough, you know, the first thing I did, I went to Google and want to know what do they say about generosity. And here's the definition of generosity on Google. It says, the quality of being kind and generous. And I thought, what? that is generous. But what is generous? So it is the quality of being kind and generous. The quality or fact of being plentiful or large. And I said to the Lord, you know, Lord, I want a better explanation of generosity. And I believe that he given me this. Giving beyond expectation. And... Uh, Today, take this home with you because my picture is on it? No, because it really tells you that it is giving beyond expectation. I hope that we don't forget that. Now, what does it mean to give beyond expectation? Two things it can mean. One, we were not expected to give at all. That's the wonderful thing. You know, when somebody gives that's not expected to give, and you say, man, that's a generous person, because we didn't even expect them to give. The other one is when we're expected to give, but we go beyond what people thought we were going to give. And that is really wonderful to see. A lot of times, that's what we say. That was a real generous person. What happened? They give beyond what we expected. So Pastor Nicole, I am very generous with words. I will go beyond your expectations today. No, just joking. (laughs) Generosity is not fulfilling a duty or a responsibility. It's going beyond what is expected. It's not doing a minimum, but doing the maximum. It is done sacrificially, and it is to give with a response to love. I think that's the part that really touches me because generosity is about love. Generosity is love. And this is what the Lord is. So all that we do, it always comes back and it's based on love. I saw generosity in my life through a great uncle that uh, passed away a long time ago. And I shared that with you before, how he prayed for our family. He was a man of God, how he prayed for our family to be saved. And I was the first fruit of his prayer. Because before he died, he saw me and he said, you're the beginning of the answers to prayer. But you know what brought brought salvation to my family? His generosity. And when I was thinking about that, I said, if it wasn't for him, I would still be in Italy. The weather's good, but the spirituality isn't that great. Because when I go back and we get the opportunity to share with them sometime, I see all my friends, my family, my cousins. They do not know about what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord. The generosity of this man brought salvation. He did not know he was going to do that. But in 1970... 
he gave $10,000 to our family to make the trip here. The reason we came here is because we really didn't have money. We were poor. And he wanted to bless us, but he didn't realize that he also was going to bless us with an opportunity to get saved. $10,000, 1970 would be like $60,000, $70,000 today. Here's a retired man that would say, I'm willing to sponsor this family because I see their need. Now, it was wonderful that we were blessed and we actually give that money back to him. But he did it without expectations. So his generosity produced spirituality. So we have to understand that, that our generosity many times blesses people spiritually more than what we can see. He, he got to only see me, but there was many people in my family, my mother, my brother, my sister. Uh, now I would have to say my children. It's all part of what he did, being generous toward the family that had a need. Generosity is also expressed by time. We have a lot of people here that are generous with their time. I know there's a couple of friends of mine that if I say to them, we need to do this, and that doesn't have to be a church thing. It could be helping somebody else. You know what? They always have time. It is, it is amazing to me how they always have time. A person showed generosity toward me with time when my dad passed away. I remember being at the funeral home for the viewing, and this friend from this church came, and just like everybody else, expressed his condolences, but then he sat there, and he stayed through the whole time. You know, we go there, and I do it sometimes. You know, I don't want to bother the people. There's so many people that have to talk to them. So we kind of say, we love you, we're praying for you, and we leave, which is the normal thing to do. But see, he was being generous with his time. He said, even though I'm not talking to you, I'm here for you. And I saw him sitting there all that time and meant a lot to me. So we can be generous in many different ways. I love what uh, the Lord expresses about generosity in Proverbs. If, if we could put it up, it's Proverbs 11.25. It says, these are, these are promises from the Lord. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Isn't it wonderful that when we refresh a person, we in turn get refreshed? That's what happens when we minister. We always get it back. If we turn to the next one, which is Proverbs 22.9, another great promise. The generous will themselves be blessed. For they share their food with, their, with the poor. So when we give to the poor, when we bless the poor, we get blessed back. This is the kind of God we serve, that he always blesses the giver. I love this next scripture because it actually says this, Isaiah 32.8. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity, he shall stand. I love this because it says, a generous person invents ways to be generous. Isn't that beautiful? Invents way to be generous. It, it isn't just like, well, I just, uh, I got touched, then I do that. No, he prepares. He says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do to be generous toward this person or this need. 
So it's wonderful that we can invent ways to be generous. God rewards generosity. And we see it that he even re- definitely he rewards it in eternity. There's no question about that. But we see a scripture here where God shows us how he sees generosity while we're still here. If we could turn to Acts 10.4, it's the story of Cornelius. And I just want to uh, take verse 4 and show you what God sees in Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. The prayer to the poor, it's a memorial to God. It is like incense. It has an aroma for God. When we give, God loves it. It is this great smell that reaches the Lord because of our generosity. Cornelius was a generous man. We're going to look at a couple examples from the Word of God about a few generous people and what they did. The first one is found in John 12 and verse 1 through 8. This is the story of Mary anointing Jesus. And it's a very interesting story. Let's read it first, then we'll look at it. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. With Lazarus, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, most of us would say, man, maybe that money should have been given to the poor. By the way, the worth of that perfume was one year worth of salary. That's a lot of money. That's an expensive perfume that Mary poured on Jesus. What's interesting about the story is the two different people, Mary and Judas. And sad to say, I would say that most of us line up more with Judas than we line up with Mary. And I don't mean that we're thieves that we steal from the church funds. What I mean by this is this, the more people are critical and judgmental than they are generous. That's what Judas was. He was critical and judgmental. That's the kind of spirit he had in him. Many criticize generosity because of the state of their own selfishness. So in order to overcome the state that we're in, we'll criticize the good that another person will do. 
And that's exactly what Judas was doing. Mary had a grateful heart. So out of a grateful heart produces generosity. A jealous heart produces judgment and criticism. That's the difference between the two. It wasn't about the amount of money that was the issue. The issue was the spiritual point where those two people were in. One very generous, one very loving, and the other very selfish, thinking only about himself and what he could gain from all this. Let's face it. Many of us have a critical spirit, especially when we don't want to look at ourselves. The enemy has a way to pull away from what we're supposed to look at ourselves by looking at others. So when God puts some of these things in our, in our heart, maybe even as today, that we have not been so generous, maybe we've never been generous, that God is really stimulating something, something in us that he wants for us to examine ourselves. Because a lot of times we don't examine ourselves because the, the enemy points a finger at somebody else, so we start examining them. And somehow, a lot, of, a lot of times, those people, they're worse than us. So we almost feel good. I used to say that those TV shows that you see, that they show the dirt of the world, you know, this guy's sleeping with the secretary, and this person is doing this, and well, the guy that's only cheating his on his wife but is not sleeping with the sister-in-law feels pretty good. And that's what happens. The enemy loves to point the finger at somebody else that's just a little worse than us so that we don't have to examine ourselves. So I really believe that today the Lord is saying to us, look within you and see what you see. Are you critical? Are you judgmental? Or are you generous? We have said, again, not with the intentions of stealing, but what we have said possibly, like Judas said, this money could have been used different. Don't you think that we find ourselves saying that sometime, even within the church or within the family, when a gift is given or somebody, I don't know, maybe we should have done something else with the money. We have to really be careful not to have this critical spirit. Generosity and giving to God can come in different ways. It comes from tithing. It comes from giving offerings. And today, let's introduce the new one. It comes from being generous. You know, there is a third one. I never thought of it that way. I, I always thought maybe went hand in hand with something else. But it really is a third aspect of giving. So there is tithing. There is offering. And there is extravagant giving. There is generous giving. The Lord is an extravagant God. See, many times what will happen is that we give because of the extravagance that we see in others. For example, when we read the story of the widow that put the two mites in the offering, Believe it or not, that was an extravagant gift. See, extravagant 
or generous does not mean the amount that you give. It's the heart, and also it is the sacrifice which you give with. See, that woman give not 10%. She was extravagant. She gave 100%. That's really being extravagant. The other widow, and I, and I always find that to be so interesting that the, the widows are the ones who give, and they're, they're the ones who need the most. The other widow we know, it was the widow with Elijah that, I always say this because I, it makes me smile to think that Elijah had the nerve to say, feed me first. They're dying, they're starving to death, and the man says, feed me first and don't worry about anything. That widow was an extravagant giver, was a woman full of faith. They give everything she had. So extravagant giving is about giving sacrificially as much as we can. See, God was an extravagant giver because he gave 100% in the Lord. He didn't give Jesus just to suffer. See, maybe that would have been a 10%. Maybe it would have been a 20%. He gave Jesus to die on the cross. That's 100%. He is an extravagant God that always, always, he was extravagant with Jesus by allowing him to die for us. He is extravagant today toward us all the time. Too bad that we cannot see sometimes how extravagant God really is. What I would like to do is go to another scripture that It's the same story of Mary, but it gives us a little bit more insight on what God does with somebody like Mary. So let's turn to Matthew 26, and if we were look at verse 10 through 13, again, the same story, but a little bit more depth that gives us some more insight in what God wants to do with our generosity. It says here, that aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. This gives us two more insights in what happened when Mary was very generous toward Jesus. Number one, just like that uncle of mine didn't didn't understand the spirituality behind him being generous and bringing a family to the point of exposure to salvation and, and to Jesus Christ, Mary did not know with her action that she was prophesying. With her action, she was prophesying. Why? Because remember what happened when Jesus died? The Sabbath was approaching, and they couldn't do what? They could not anoint him. And Jesus tells here the prophecy that would happen. He's saying, she is anointing me because when the time comes that I need to be anointed, there won't be no time. So she's doing it ahead of time. So Mary's action brought about a prophecy. She did not speak word. To prophesy. Her action brought this prophecy. The other thing that this scripture gives a little bit more details, like I said, more depth, is what Jesus said about Mary. 
What an honor. Can you imagine Jesus saying, from this day forth, your name will be known in the whole world by this action. Was Jesus ever grateful on Mary? You have Judas that it's saying, let's give it to the poor. And Jesus is saying, her action, which she could have kept all that money and did something else with it. She poured it unto me, not even knowing how I needed this. And she will be spoken all over the world through generations for the love that she demonstrated toward me. Another great scripture that really shows generosity is the story of the Good Samaritan. We have a lot to learn from the Good Samaritan. Here's a man, we know the story, and uh, we have it up here. Let's read at least those verses. The story is very long, but let's read those verses that it gives us a little bit of depth about what this Good Samaritan did. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denaries, give them, give them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Here's the interesting story. <clears throat> this man gave to a stranger. He was generous toward the stranger. Generous to the point where he did not know how much he was going to spend. That's beautiful because it wasn't like, okay, he would have said to the end, to the innkeeper, okay, I'm giving you this for one night, almost like the insurance companies do now at the hospital, and you only have two more days and you have to get out because that's all, that's all we cover is two more days. He didn't say that. He didn't say, okay, here's some money ahead of time, and I'll give you two more days, and then he's done. Whatever shape he's in, he's going to have to go home. He did not know how much this was going to cost him. That's what generosity does. There is... No cost to the sacrifice. It's like whatever God asked me to do, I will do it because you know what? He's the one who provides. Last year I spoke around this time about being a good steward. And, and a steward means a manager of someone else's wealth. See, what we give, it's not ours to start with. We're only managing what God has given us. That's what a steward does. So this man understood that well, even though he wasn't a Jew. That being generous is the right thing to do. And what an example to use. It would be like us in the church giving a story today and not using one of our congregation but using somebody from outside that never goes to church is a great example of Christianity. That's exactly what Jesus did here. It was a slap in the face of the Jews to use a Samaritan, which was looked down by the Jews. Sometimes we look down at the world outside this church. And he says, 
He has done better than you. He is a generous man. And again, that generosity came because he did not count the cost. He said, whatever it's going to cost me. The other thing he's, he's showing here too, that's what's so beautiful about this, this story, that he is a servant. He got off the donkey and he walked. See, a donkey is not like a three-seater or four-seater car. It only takes one person. And he put that man on a donkey and he walked beside this man. He was serving a stranger. And when he brought him there, what did he say to the innkeeper? He didn't say again, two days and he's out. He said, you know what I want you to do? Well, first he took care of them also. He bandaged them up. Whatever he had with them, he helped them with. He took them into the inn and he says, I need to go someplace. But do whatever you need to do. And when I come back, I'm going to make it right with you. That's the generosity toward a stranger. You know what's sad to us? Sometimes we're not even generous toward the people that we know. Sometimes we're not even generous toward our own family. God has blessed us, and we think we need every penny we got, so we become selfish. This, this great story is about a stranger, not a daughter, not a son, not a cousin. This is what the extremes that Jesus goes when he tries to give us examples. Because I think it could be a little easier for us to give toward a relative, especially a close family member. But Jesus says, just like when he says in the scripture, to love our enemy, that's pretty challenging, isn't it? It would be easy to say, oh, love the guy that loves you, or love your son or your daughter. But the challenge is, love your enemy. Here it says, give to a stranger, not to your family. Give to a complete stranger that has need. A time, the Spirit of the Lord will challenge us that way. He has challenged me that way. And I'm going to share this because I went through. And a lot of times, it's kind of like when they say, if somebody has a question, there's 10 other people that have the same question, and, but they're afraid to raise their hand. I believe that what I'm going to share with you, you probably went through it yourself. And it's this, that God sometimes challenges us beyond what we are able to do as a human being. And the first thing that appears is fear. It's like, how am I going to do that? Or, are you serious, Lord? I mean, it really does. It, fear will grip us. If, if God puts us in a place where we need to be extravagant, we need to be generous, we need to give beyond our expectations, fear sits in. The enemy will love to scare us. Are you sure, God, you're talking to me? Uh, you know, that money, I may need it, or I may need my time. Whatever it is, fear sits in. But what is beautiful about it, that if we are obedient to what God is calling us, that fear will become joy and excitement. I've been there. I'm sharing from, I've been there. That when I was challenged, First, fear sets in. Do I have the time or do I have the money? Or you sure it's me, Lord? Do I have the ability? But here's what's neat about the spirit of the Lord. He pursues you. He doesn't let you go. And as he pursues you and we become more obedient, 
what happens is we start becoming excited of what God has asked us. It isn't fear anymore. It's joy and excitement. And it's, and it's almost like, let's do it. Let's do it, Lord. That's what's really wonderful when we obey what God has commanded us to do. Fear will change into joy and excitement. The good thing to remember about being extravagant when we are challenged is this. And this is the second part that I really want you to remember. Remember, giving beyond expectation is the first one. The other thing, uh, I thank Jason for putting this on. I didn't didn't ask him to, but this is really neat because it's a, a reminder. The other one is this, that what we give on the cert to honor God, it's what we get to keep. Think about this. What we give away on a cert to honor God, it's the only thing we get to keep. I'm not going to keep, I'm going to get to keep my car that I have. But I'm going to keep that deed. Maybe it was time. Maybe it was an offering. Maybe it was an encouragement word. I will keep that forever. God will write that in our history. He will put it on our account and it will last forever. So when fear sits in that you think, this is going to cost me a lot, remember, what we give to God, we get to keep forever. It's the only thing that we get to keep. Our time in the Lord is what we get to keep. You know, I've built homes. Uh, We don't build new homes anymore. Sometimes I thank the Lord for that. It could have been, it it was pressuring at times. It was a blessing. I, I think we built some beautiful homes, maybe uh, I think highly of myself. I don't know, but I think some of the houses we built, they were beautiful. But you know what's really neat? I don't think that God was ever impressed by the beautiful home that I built. But he was impressed if I blessed somebody with the home that we built. A Christian brother, when I first started it in the Lord, gave me the greatest uh, advice that he could have given me as a business person. And he said, don't sell people a house. Bless people with a house. Big difference. See, selling a house, it means at whatever cost, I got to get rid of this house. He said, you pray that the right person will live in this house. You pray that that person can afford this house that this house would not be a burden on them. See, that I will take with me if I prayed that the person would be able to afford that house. If I prayed that God would bless that house. I'm not taking that house with me. I'm not taking my car with me. But the action may be to loan my car to somebody that needed it, give a ride to somebody, that I will take with me. So whatever we do unto the Lord, we get to keep. So when fear sets in, the enemy says, this is too much. You're not going to have enough money, or you're not going to have the time. But God is the one who's inspiring you to do it. Remember, you will get to keep that. I want to read just a couple more things, and because we have a meeting, believe it or not, I'm not going to be generous with my words. We're going to end it a little bit earlier. (laughs) 
Luke 16 and verse 10 to 12, because this is a challenge to us. God is stating to us here why it will bless us or not. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, there's that steward part, who will give you property of your own? You know what God's saying here? If you didn't do well with what I put in your hands, wealth, money, property, if I can't trust you with that, I cannot trust you with spiritual goods. That, that's what the true riches are. The true riches are God's gifting to us, spiritual gifting, opportunity to witness, opportunity to minister, prophesying. God says, if you can be trusted by little, because money, see, to God is very little. The problem is it becomes very big for us. It becomes too big to us. Money to God is nothing. So God says, that's very little what I've given you. If I can't trust you to do the right thing, for you to tithe, for you to be a giver, and for you to be extravagant and generous, I will not trust you with spiritual things. This is from the word of the Lord. We need to understand that. That is a test that God has puts us through sometimes. How do we handle what God has given us, what God has blessed us with, it can shape what God will give us spiritually. There's a great test, and this is the last scripture that I, I, I am going to read to you for us to know what are we really attached to. Are we attached to money, or are we really attached to the Lord? And the scriptures is in Matthew 6, 21. I don't think I give that to Jason. And it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Great test. You want to test where you are? Here's the scripture. Where do you spend your energy? Where do you spend your time? Where are your thoughts toward all the time? I'm going to be really blunt with you. If you think that you have to work so hard to get ahead and you don't have time for the Lord, you better revisit that one. Because the priority to God, he is number one. If we want to give ourselves to the Lord, if we want to be, be extravagant to God, okay, we can be extravagant toward other people. We can be extravagant toward other needs, and we are extravagant to God. There's no question about it. He's, because he tells us that. Remember, how, when did I visit you in prison? When did I give you water? I, when you did it unto the least of those? So we know that we can be extravagant toward people, and it is extravagance toward God. We can give toward people, and it's given toward God. But the best way that we can really be extravagant as an individual toward God is when we give ourselves to him. 
I appreciate a couple times I saw some individual's testimony, and it was this. For example, how can I be extravagant toward God with my time? A doctor that was making a lot of money, I saw this as a documentary. He was making a ton of money. That the Lord touched his heart, and he gave up his practice so that he could go to a foreign mission for no money and minister to the poor. That's being extravagant toward God, directly toward God, by sacrificially giving up 100% everything you had. I would like to close with a prayer because I really, you're really quiet. You're supposed to get that way when God challenges you, by the way. I really want to close with a prayer that I feel the Lord wants us as individuals today to really examine ourselves and where we are. We don't want to fool ourselves. We don't want to think of ourselves being better than what we are. But we want to examine and say, Lord, where am I today? Am I a generous person? Do I love you more than this world? Do I love you more than money? And again, it may not come like, well, I, I truly love the Lord. Examine yourself. Think about it. Where are your priorities? Let me pray. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be attached to you and not to this world. Lord, help us become the generous people that you want us to be. Help us be obedient sacrificially to all that you command us to do. Help us to become excited and full of joy when we give generously. Make us extravagant, Lord, toward you so that you may be pleased with us. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen.